0: all right it is sunday night it is a pc progression wrestling podcast we are coming off of a weekend packed with wrestling i'm elio he's been ben what a weekend it's been uh, between uh battle in the valley and elimination chamber that's like six yeah. hours
1: yes well actually actually more it was closer to uh seven hours and then if you add uh the duration of this podcast um it'll be um it'll be closer to uh probably nine by the time we're done because we have uh we have a lot to cover, ladies and gentlemen, plus um the fun stuff at the end, which calling me crazy, but we're still gonna do a full-fledged uh podcast for you guys.
0: So while while you're doing that, I'm going to pull up the results for Bell in the Valley so I can follow along.
1: Now um just uh um, just a heads up, folks. Um, Elio got home late, so he did not see uh, the entirety of Battle of Valley. Um, okay. He was he was at a uh, late party, and he he is dressed rather dapper. I can attest. Uh, <laughs> I, can, I can attest to that for him. Um, since this is a non-visual show, I feel very underdressed. But in, in my. <laughs> in, in, in my defense i was in the i was absolutely in the trenches uh getting prepared for this podcast this evening so this is going to be a very good one
0: well i am the professor and you are my young padawan my student if you will
1: yes absolutely <laughs> um i actually that's that's exactly what i'm Padawan is I I watched Star Wars, goddammit. it! <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's why I said that. You're my young Padawan. I know, uh, but um, but yeah, this this will be a good show for you guys. Um, so um, first we're gonna knock out Battle of the Valley, which was which was still going after Illumination Chamber was over. I'm not sure what time it started in terms of the oh. inter. In, in terms of the U.S. time, um,
0: uh, it, it started at nine nine twenty p.m. was the uh, pre-show, which had two
1: matches. Uh,
0: well, Longo well, and, uh, well are you
1: are, now hold on because are, now are you sure it was nine twenty? Because and I asked because, um, according to reports, it started forty five minutes late. No,
0: I said the pre-show was nine twenty ten p.m. The main show began.
1: Okay. Okay. yeah okay because okay. I saw i saw
0: it right on the poster when i was uh going to uh look at it all
1: right well i didn't i didn't watch the pre-show i i don't have uh i don't have time for that it would have been you know four and a half goddamn hours huh? yeah. you know yeah. uh, damn near damn near four hours is enough for me well maybe um,
0: maybe i can uh just uh, give the quick uh results from the for the two pre-show matches
1: absolutely um, and then um, obviously we have the full breakdown of all of that, and um, and the full breakdown of elimination chamber. So this will probably be um, one of the one of the longer shows we do because you know as you guys know we do a full breakdown for pay per view. So this is not one of those high low uh, segment shows. Um, so uh, make sure that you have refreshments. And, um, and Elio, this is, this is going to be your verbal cue to hit the music. Um, we're doing a kind of a verbal intro. So, um, you know, fatten down the hedges, ladies and gentlemen, and, uh, passing your seatbelts. And Elio, you know, I know you've been partying all day long, but God damn it, you still have a job to do. hit the goddamn intro music. that ladies and gentlemen elio finally did his job and we finally we finally got some music in the venue this evening thank christ some something something to liven up the zoom room here on the pnc production wrestling podcast finally the producer did something other than kick us out and with that happy news we will get started with the Battle of the Valley review, which I will be taking the lead on.
0: Okay, well, before you do that, I'm just going to rhyme off the two results from the pre-show. We have Alex Coglin defeating J.R. Kratos and David Finley defeating Bobby Fish. Poor
1: Bobby Fish. So now we're going to get into the main card. Ben, take it away. So uh, first up, we had... One of the things that I typically hate, but this was a very interesting eight-man tag. Cool. Um, See, this well, one...
0: well, welcome to New Japan. The, this is where
1: you get eight-man tag matches one after another. Well, actually, I, I was nervous coming into that, but um, luckily this was the only uh, tag match with the entire evening, so I, I caught a break. But um they had some. They had some very good talent that I hadn't been exposed to before, um, mixed up with, with some that I was very familiar with. So it was it was a good mix. We had Adrian Quest, which was one of those guys that I hadn't been um, hadn't been uh, exposed to. I don't know uh, who he is. Nope. No, uh, because no, because I hadn't been exposed to him prior to this. Yep. Um, we had uh, Josh Alexander. Yep. Who I who who I'm quite familiar with.
0: Impact wrestling?
1: Yep. Uh we had the former Grand Metal League in Mascara Dorada. hmm Uh Rocky Romero of, of Impact Wrestling. Yep. Uh, um and in New Japan, of course. Uh the DKC. Um Kevin Knight. That
0: still bothers me. I I, I don't I don't, I just don't get that name, the DKC
1: yeah i i i don't know who they are and and um and this was my first time seeing kevin Knight as well as volator junior or volador oh. junior
0: volador junior is uh is a name big bigger name in uh AAA.
1: okay cool yeah. and of course kushida who who thankfully was not dressed as marty mcfly Oh, he wasn't okay uh no i that was that was clearly a, a wwe initiative okay um
0: no because i know our wrestler, one of the wrestle kingdoms he did come out with the whole uh back to the future theme and he had we had um another one of the
1: wrestlers playing uh doc brown and and trust me folks i am if, if you guys didn't know this um we we have used the DeLorean theme throughout the history of this podcast. We haven't done a we haven't done a retro uh, pay per view review in quite a while because we've been so busy with, with the current uh, pay per view schedule, which has been absolutely hectic in the latter stages of last year, coming into the early stages of 2023, which
0: will be making a return very soon.
1: Um. Yes. Um. And it's the very latest after WrestleMania. But, but um, until then, we have a plethora of um, pay-per-views coming up, even after uh, the festivities of this weekend, which was absolutely crazy. Um, but um, I'll tell you what, for an eight-man tag match, this one was very, very um, good and very interesting because, as I said, we had some talent that I had that I hadn't been exposed to so it it was kind of nice um to to see some new talent um as I as I've explained um you know the new japan pro wrestling has always been the glaring weakness in my um in my professional wrestling knowledge because up until quite recently I just hadn't had access to it for a long time um,
0: and this is rare this was 1122 which is one of the shorter matches usually uh matches in new japan are really long
1: well and and, and to that point i i kind of recognized that from, from from when i was watching uh wrestle kingdom uh 17 and but to that point we did have um some longer matches um as we get further down the car, which which we'll which we'll talk about a little bit later on as we as we go through those matches um but um but there were a couple individuals in this match who had um particularly uh standout performances uh in my book and those and those uh guys were um Kevin Knight and uh and Valador Jr. and I also I also really enjoyed the dynamic between Kushida and um, Josh Alexander because apparently they have a match coming up uh, next month and that's just, those just are two guys who stylistically in the ring I wouldn't expect them to match up very well um, but they did a good job of of selling uh developing issue between the two of them in that match. And usually eight man tag matches are just so hectic and hard to follow, but um this one did a really good job of explaining uh the dynamics between the, between all of the competitors and it, it was just it was just really fun. Mm-hmm. And um I was I was particularly impressed with uh Kevin Knight. I I had not heard of him and I'd be very um, I'd be very interested to see more of him. Uh, same with Volador, who, after this match was over, challenged uh, Rocky Romero to a hair-versus-hair match. I'm not sure when that will be taking place. I'm sure that will be taking place at the next uh, pay-per-view. Um, it's kind of hard for me to go through um, this spot-by-spot. Uh, spot. I really don't like doing that. But um, there were a couple uh, standout spots um, and interactions, specifically between um, Rocky Romero and Valador, uh, because Rocky was avoiding him uh, throughout the entire match, up until up until the point where he was down, and then like he had, he had a cheap tag um, off the back of. Uh, Josh, i think it was josh alexander and like he he was like really pissed off and like what the fuck are you doing kind of thing like and then he was so it was kind of like the chicken shit heel leading until the guy was down and then coming in and beating his ass um so that was that was kind of fun and um but the um but the really interesting story here, as i as I kind of hinted at earlier, was the dynamic between Kushida and Alexander um which which at first I was like, eh, kind of kind of weirded out on because to me that their 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 styles don't match up, but the way that they sold it was quite interesting, so I would be. Um very um, invested in a match between the two of them after seeing this, because commentary um, did a very good job of selling the exchanges between the two of them. And the finish uh, saw uh, Kushida um, finish Alexander with a hoverboard lock as as um, as Kevin Knight got the um, got the DKc with a pendulum. Uh, DDT, but uh, he, at, at, but at the end of the match, um, Kushida was pissed off because he he had um he had uh Alexander set up for the finish, and uh and Knight kind of stole his thunder by getting the victory for the for his team at the 11 22 mark. So, this was all in all, this was a very entertaining opener. So, uh, now. This next match was was kind of the the low point of the evening. So um, while
0: while, while you while you're doing that, I'm just gonna pull up the wrestling data version so I can take a look at the ratings for the uh, what the what the show got in ratings.
1: Right. Okay. And 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 see. So when I say that this next match was a low point, I want to be I want to be kind of kind of clear and analytical as to why I say that. It's not that the work between Fred Rosser, the former Darren Young in WWE and Kenta was bad um, because it was not uh, by by any stretch. It, it, what took me out of it personally and and as I'm as I'm reading this review uh, for the first time, um, as I'm talking to you guys live, it would appear that the reviewer agrees with me. for me, the commentary is what made this match weird because they were selling this as if this was like a huge um like turning point for uh new Japan pro wrestling like this was like a this was like a huge oh, deal and.
0: Uh, yeah, in New Japan, this open weight title is is somewhat of a big deal,
1: right? And, and and I and I get that in terms of in terms of the title being a big deal, but like they were they were talking about the match between these two guys being a big deal, and oh. I didn't I didn't understand that.
0: So we had uh, Fred Rosser, <laughs> the former Darren Young.
1: That's yes. That's right. yeah. Yes, and and that was kind of that, and that was kind of throwing me off too, because I'm so used to seeing him as a uh, as a tag team guy, mm-hmm. but um, but the the dynamic between the two of them was just kind of off, like, and and the match just seemed to drag on and on and on for like no reason at all, mm-hmm. um, like, and even even the even the finish. Um, was a little bit weird because um you know they did several ref bumps. and so so during one of them, uh, Rother had had locked in a like a cross face um chicken wing, kind of, or like not a cross face, but like an stf Sorry, slash...
0: you know what? I'm not even gonna give you ratings because. This doesn't look like it's even been uh, updated. Everything's like one hundred percent, but like some matches are four stars, some matches
1: are three. Uh, well, no, I can assure you that that that's not accurate for this. Yeah, one.
0: so when I I'm not gonna do um, that.
1: But but um, y- y- you know but so, roster had Kenta tap out um while the ref was down, and then um. And then of all people, Juice Robinson, who I who I do understand is in the Bullet Club with Kenta, yep. uh, ke- came out to cause the um, the interference by hitting um, Rosser with a roll of quarters up toward the t- toward the ramp play, which yep. led to the to the finish, and it it was it was just really weird. Okay. It's hard to it's hard to explain without you, you having seen it, but I think I think had you seen what I'm talking about like, oh, you what no, no,
0: how about like when uh, someone gets hit with the roller quarters, I get it
1: yeah, yeah. um, and it was just like like why would why would someone the caliber of a Kanta need that kind of chicken shit assistance? We all know we, like even I know about kenta um. Very well from his time in WWE and uh, you know, just understanding, you know, wrestling history, like Kenta doesn't need that shit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, so it's it's just weird. Um, but the show um recovered itself um well uh with the next match. We had um the strong open weight tag team championships on the line. Um With the Motor City Machine Guns versus another team I had not heard of before, this one being the West Coast Wrecking Crew. Um, And this was a pleasant surprise for me. Um, This was a very good sub-10-minute match. This This is the kind of tag team wrestling I wish that we would see uh, more consistently over on the U.S. side, like in WWE, uh, this this was um, very very good, um, and uh, the Motor City Machine Guns, who I'm very familiar with from from the many years that I watched uh, Impact Wrestling consistently, they are so good. Um, so um, they um, these two teams worked very well together, and. Um, I am, I am, it was, it was refreshing to see the Motor City Machine Guns again, and, um, and I believe, let me make sure I get this right, um, um, oh, yes, and, um, and the guns retained their, um, their titles after hitting some of their signature maneuvers, but, um, I so I'm not familiar with the history of of the wrecking crew in in New Japan Pro Wrestling, but yeah, well, but
0: they sound like a new team because I hadn't heard of them either.
1: Yes, but but so if if this was to be their breakout moment, I think that they succeeded because they impressed the hell out of me against a very well established tag team in the in the Motor City Machine Guns. Yeah. Now. This next match, folks. Okay. Uh, the, no, no, no. The match itself was, was absolutely fine. It was very, very good. Yeah. But the the stipulation confused me because check this out. It was loser leaves NJPW. Eddie Kingston versus Switchblade Jay White. Now correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but. As we mentioned before, uh we covered uh, Wrestle Kingdom seventeen uh not too long ago on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And during during that pay-per-view it was announced that um Jay White was going to be facing um oh god, what is his name? He's uh Haku's son. Uh, the the big the big guy. Oh, um what
0: is it Who? Tanga the word
1: tongue uh no no it's the it's the younger brother um oh god what the fuck is his name yeah yes thank you um thank you um so it was announced that that those two would have a match where the loser would leave njpw so at their next event which was not a pay per view, but they they ran highlights of, of that match before this match took place. Cicaleo beat Jay White. Um, <laughs> so so it was it was like Jay was already out of yeah, that is confusing of NJPW, and, <laughs> and I was confused because I remember specifically.
0: I'm sorry. Where where did they show that? Uh, where did you say that
1: match took place? Um am I'm, I'm, I'm not sure where the match was but it was it must have been uh it, it must have been between oh, Wait wait
0: wait 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 sorry it's uh it was the Loser Leaves Japan match at NJPW New Beginning in Osaka it was a previous uh event to place right. the one before
1: this but that's what that's what I'm saying uh, clearly it wasn't Loser Leaves Japan because it wasn't loser leaves lose lose NJPW. So if if Jay White is still competing in NJPW,
0: yeah, but see, this one this event took place in California.
1: Yeah, but still,
0: the uh, suspension, uh,
1: you see, after suspension, you suspension of disbelief, but but see, you can still see why that was kind of confusing because it, yeah, it, it, it was and
0: You're supposed to sp- suspend your disbelief.
1: Yeah, well, you yeah, know, but still, it was just kind of weird. Um, but I, I, I get it, but it was just kind of odd. Okay. Um, but so this one, specifically talking about Eddie Kingston versus Jay White was a loser leaves and JPW match. And so we all know coming into this, unless you live under a rock, that there's heavies speculation that wwe wants to sign switchblade
0: but but this one speculation is weird if kingston lost he would have needed jay white's permission to continue to compete in new
1: japan what no no that no that's what that's what it says here the but the wording of that was slightly different so if if eddie kingston would have lost he would have left NJPW. And needed Jay White's permission to wrestle anybody on um, on either NJPW's roster or, or a Japanese wrestler.
0: Yeah, that's what, so that that's was, that's what, that's what it says here. Had King lost, he would have needed White's permission to continue to compete in NJPW.
1: Well, then, what's the point of loserly use NJPW stipulation? But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, the match itself was very, very good. Yeah. Um, you, you know, but the but the the stipulation and the confusion was just took me out of what was on the line. Uh, in in the actual match, and and also prior to the match. Uh, they ran the, they ran this video package, which quite which quite frankly, like, you know, NJPW's video packages are nowhere near the level of WWE. Let oh. me just say that. Not not that they have to be, because I understand New Japan and WWE are completely different entities, um, uh, and styles. But let's just be honest. So so how they went about building this match, l a o Okay. Eddie Kingston called into Wrestling Observer Radio with Brian Alvarez. Oh my
0: god. Where
1: where where Jay White was a guest. And that's how they built the matchup. What? Just Just stop. And then it was and then the match was made official at the New Beginning show. Where, where the official challenge was laid down in the ring, but that's how they built up. That's how they built up to the challenge was the interview on Wrestling Observer Live. Wow. <laughs> what? That's because they ran the entire conversation between Jay White and uh, Eddie Kingston over the phone before the match took place. That's kind of weak. So, so <laughs> yeah, it was just. And, and, and to be honest with you, um, I, I you know, not not that I would put Brian Alvarez, um, you know, um, quite in the in the same bag as as Dave Milner, but he's pretty close to to it because he's associated with him, and I just kind of get annoyed. They both suck. <laughs> well, oops, um, did I just say that? Yes, but but okay. So, <laughs> so, so you you said it, and I was trying to be diplomatic. But but uh, n- neither one of us likes uh, wrestling. Observe a lot. Let's just let us just say, or um, and I can I can tell this story because we're we're no longer employed by this in the, in the, by um this website, um, and we're not we're not throwing shade at this website. That's not the point at all, um. But uh when we used to be um, when we used to be employed by a wrestling website, uh you know, the one consistent source was Wrestling Observer newsletter slash wrestling observer live. They still use it. And yeah. And I don't know about you, Elio, but I would get so annoyed because I the way I was trained, I was a real news writer, right? Like, I I just was. I was I was a I was a intern at a news station for four years in college. I I did the shit for real. I researched my stories. I collected the sources. I talked to people, and I wrote the stories. Um, you know, and, and this job was nothing like that. Um, it, it was like, according to Dave Meltzer, wrestling observer, Live, blah blah blah.
0: Remember,
1: I have been there longer than you. I
0: started in 2011, so I've seen a lot of stuff.
1: You know, but 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 even even so, it's like in my 11 month period of being there, it was like it got so annoying because it's like it wasn't writing. I was just regurgitating what Dave Meltzer had to say. Yep. And it, eventually, that's why I left. But anyway. Um. So I just I just found the build to this match be weird. Um. Okay. <laughs> after 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 they spotlighted it, but the actual match itself was very very good. Okay. Um. The one the the one bit of annoyance that I have with Eddie Kingston's. Style, which is very influenced by the Japanese style, because that's what he loves, and and I'm not criticizing that because I'm, I'm I like it too, but he is so reliant on the chops, and every single Eddie Kingston match that I have ever seen, he always does the same spot, where he he invites people to chop him. And then they get into a chop fest mm-hmm. and, and, and their and their chest end up looking like hamburger meat.
0: He would lose that one
1: That one to uh, Walter. It, exactly. Thank you. You acknowledge <laughs> You acknowledge that his name is Walter and not Guther. Thank you. He, <laughs> you. You have no idea, ladies and gentlemen, the smile that has erupted on my face. Because Elio finally made that acknowledgement, um. But, but so so I don't know about you, but that's just my one annoyance with Eddie's Eddie's style is is the chop fest just gets annoying to me. But the rest of it was was awesome.
0: Now I said uh, I now I said I have the question of the week for you, um, which I'll get to later. It has to do with Eddie Kingston. <laughs>
1: Uh yeah well I'm I'm very excited about that now but but this was this was 19 minutes and and uh, and nine seconds and they really did a did a good job um commentary wise of um of selling this match and like being emotionally torn because like the crowd uh, the crowd obviously wanted Eddie Kingston to win the entire time but then. Um, the the former Aiden English and um, Ian Rickabani were on commentary, and like, and um, and the the former Aiden English was like, "Do these people really understand what they're cheering for?" One of these, you know, one of these people is no longer going to be in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Either way, I think that this is a lose lose situation for the company. Um, and I'm wondering if the fans realize that like this is this is a great match and I'm not knocking at anybody but like I just want I just want them to understand that and I think I think at the end of the match they really did because they were they were giving uh Jay White his flowers and um you know like I said outside of that chop fest which is just a personal pet peeve of mine mm-hmm. um you know this is this was a really good uh match um, and one piece of, 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 psychology that I really enjoyed was at one point toward the end of the match, um, um, Eddie Kingston was on his knees and he offered a fist bump to uh, Jay White as a sign of respect. And even though I don't like spitting, I hate spitting in any, uh, In any context, when we're talking about a fight, I just, I think it's disgusting. Ben, Ben,
0: Ben, we we should uh, go into commercial because we're going to get cut off by the producer.
1: Um, okay. We'll be right back. So, as I was saying before our producer so rudely interrupted me, I feel like Stephanie Tanner from Full House getting ready to say how rude. I was making a perfectly valid point, ladies and gentlemen, and I shall continue. Um, so, so psychologically, one uh, point of the of the match that I really enjoyed was was Eddie Kingston going for the fist bump, and while I despise spitting in in, in any uh, you know context when it comes to a fight, because um, I just find it disgusting. um, you know, it 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 added to the the personal issue and and the and the heat behind the match and and the interest and the emotional uh, aspect of it. Um, so that really led to the ending of the match. Um, but um, but like I said, the, it was really a a story driven match, and it also had the Physicality and the, and the badassery that you would expect out of these two guys. So so all in all, it was it was a very um, it was a very good showing for both guys. Um, next up, we had uh, a filthy rules match between, between Homicide and and Tom Lawler. Who if if anyone listening. Um, does not know Tom Lawler used to be in the MMA before he came over to um uh professional wrestling. Yep. He was he he was in the UFC uh quite he successful. Was, he was
0: also in a major league
1: wrestling. Absolutely. And um and his nickname was filthy Tom Lawler. So that's where we got the you know the filthy rules match. Which is now,
0: basically non an, an unsanctioned match.
1: Without ropes, yeah. Um. So, so this was a lot of the fun. It was pretty much a hardcore. Um. It was pretty much a hardcore style match. Um. But um. You know, there were parts of it that I liked and parts of it that I don't that I didn't like. Um. You know, I think Homicide trying to stab Lawler with a fork. Was a was a little too too much, even though it was just Isn't a bull, the butcher. Even, well, I, I was getting to that. Even though even though it should be stated out of fairness that he was just trying to stab him in the foot, not the head, like Abdul was a butcher. He <laughs> took the words right out of my mouth. So, yeah. so we did do that, but but it's just um it's just uh that's one of the things I don't like. So but one of the things that I did like is even though they took the ropes off, they still had the pieces um that attached the turnbuckles. They still had like the oh, metal yeah. parts of the that attached the turnbuckles. Okay. So they were being used as weapons and that was and that was kind of cool. Um You used to have these matches in uh, MLW.
0: Like I had never seen it before until I started watching MLW where they just had a match right there without any ropes.
1: Absolutely. And and one, one spot in particular which I hated because it just it looked that nasty was was um Law Literally used the turnbuckle hook to fish hook homicide in his mouth. Oh like do you like oh, I, don't, oh, I, don't, oh. I don't think you guys understand how dangerous that is. Now I'm yeah. sure Tom Waller did it as safely as he could but do yeah. you understand like that is just oh uh, god that yeah. was,
0: that's uh, the combat zone level
1: yeah yeah but, so that was a little bit for me
0: yeah.
1: my stomach kind of did a flip with that um, and um, and then the the one really cool spot even though some of the rest of this stuff looked really goofy and kind of unnecessary, such as the fish hook spot, mm-hmm. um, was was a uh, homicide hitting a Spicoli driver off the apron through a door, which was under the ring. So that was a cool spot. Um, and then uh, um but uh how did end up taking the taking the loss because he got choked out via a straight jacket um now this match was the definition of both being a hit and a miss for me because some of it was just completely unnecessary mm-hmm. um you know and I, I like i like i've always said folks i am, i am not the PC police. I am not, you know, I'm not a fan of the PG style of professional wrestling. Just listen to any rant I've ever gone on regarding WWE in the history of this show. You will understand exactly what I'm talking about. And I, I by no means have a weak stomach or anything like that. I'm, a, I'm an ECW guy. Um, you know, I like, I like it when things look like a real fight um in professional wrestling uh but but stuff like that with a fish hook and the, you know it's just that kind of stuff is just the the definition of, of stupid, dangerous yep and um it kind of takes me out of the out of the match um now that's just that's just me and and much like much like the match with um with Fred Rosser and Kenta, I, I do think that for what it was, um, this match did go a little bit too long, surpassing the 16 minute mark. Um, now next up we had the NJPW television championship online with Zach Saber Jr. Defending against Clark Connors. Now from what I gather, um, via commentary, um, the television championship matches have a fifteen-minute time limit, um, and um, this was a very good match for what it was. Um, it, but it did not hit. It did not hit the the level I would have expected out of a, out of a Zach Saber Jr. match, if that makes sense.
0: So um, that, let me ask you, you, okay, how many times has this been? You've seen uh, Zach Sabre Junior. twice or once?
1: I I have seen him on these kind of shows twice, and I've seen, but I've seen plenty of his stuff online. Okay, right, so so I'm saying, wait, wait what do you think of zack Sabre Junior. I I really like him, but I I don't think that this match was was the best um it was good it was very good but i don't think it was the best showcase of of Zack Sabre Jr. Okay. I um yeah you know, and and maybe that's me being a little bit harsh. I don't know maybe i was expecting a little bit too much out of a 15 minute match.
0: No he um, he said like he said better matches.
1: Uh yeah, and and it was and it was a very um it was a, one thing I did enjoy about it, it was a very technical match. I'm I'm not sure I've ever seen Zach Sabre Jr. get so technical or uh or Connors for that matter. I'm not I will confess I'm not familiar with Clark Connors at all um however like his, to...
0: his tag team partner well the one the guy he used to tag team with frequently which is signed with WWE. carl fredericks
1: who's Zachary Regina or Clark Connors?
0: no oh, um uh, clark connor's uh frequent tag team partner in new japan carl fredericks just signed with wwe
1: oh okay yeah, I, di- I didn't even know they were the tag team. Like I said I'm very unfamiliar with some of uh yeah. New Japan Pro Wrestling. Also yeah,
0: also Kobe Carino.
1: Yeah, well, I just saw that r- earlier today as a matter of fact. Yep. Um which, which actually surprised me cuz um that would seemingly indicate that uh Kobe has has gotten over some of the past issues that he's had. Um, so that's a very good thing um, for him. So hopefully, hopefully things continue to go well for Colby uh, Carino, and I'm I'm excited to see what he can do in WWE. Yeah. Um, I'm oh I'm sorry, go ahead.
0: No, yeah, I said okay.
1: Um, but yeah, this was this was a very um this was a very good match that didn't quite that didn't quite. Um, hit the great territory, um, but like I said, um, like I said, it was. Uh, there's only so much you can do in just 15 minutes. Uh, when when you have, I don't want to say disparity in talent, but to me, Zach Saber Jr. is clearly the superior one to Clark Connors, and and it just i i didn't i didn't like the reviewer is saying this match was dope and i i'm just not seeing it as a as a dope match i see it as a good match and that was it um but next up was the definition of of dope now now i was let me explain something to you folks now now i understand given the given the caliber of talent involved in what was the main event and what they mean to new japan why they would be put in the main event Main event um well the next matchup was during the, the main event but yeah okay i was
0: i was gonna say okay.
1: but that's but that's what i'm saying so the main event of this thing was Kazuchika Okada versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. Now, I have done enough research and preparation for, for starting to cover New Japan Pro Wrestling on these shows a little bit. That um that, you know, these two are absolutely historic to New Japan pro wrestling. So I understand why they would be an event, but I was personally very um irritated and surprised that Kyrie and mercedes didn't event this particular show because to me they they've been pushing that match so far so much because to me this was the match that made battle of the valley be so anticipated as it was like this was the match that that sold that show so i was very surprised that that the ladies didn't main event this one now it is so good to see, um, Mercedes out of the shackles of WWE. Um, you know, and let, and let me just say folks, and I think Elio will, will agree with me and feel free to jump in at, at any point, LAO to either agree or disagree. Um, or, or counter anything I'm about to say, but I we always knew how fantastic Sasha Banks was in WWE. That was very obvious. Yeah. Uh, toward the end there, I think um, some of the drama was starting to overshadow that. I'm not saying all of that was her fault. Um, you know, I think she had some very solid basis for the um for the frustration and a lot of people were calling her um unprofessional and and we talked about that a lot on the podcast and while I admit it but from a strictly business perspective I could understand that I personally defended Mercedes a lot by saying that Vince McMahon was the personification of unprofessional in this situation, because um, one look at his history, but two look at how he railed against um, Sasha Banks on air, you know, in in the midst of all of this. So to me, that was the definition of unprofessional. So, but but the other reason why I defended um, uh, Sasha in this. You know, now Mercedes was because I I identify with Sasha a lot because I'm a very a passionate person who who believes very strongly in what I believe and will stand up for it um till till the death pretty much and that that has been um that has been called out to me by many people as a potential problem. Um, you know, in in that, like, you know, I, I see things in, in terms of being right and wrong in a very black and white sense, but that's always just been who I am. And I, I see a lot of that in Mercedes. And I think a lot of her passion gets mistaken for being a bitch. um, so so I think that's why I've defended Mercedes so much because I really do see it as passion and not her being being dramatic or unprofessional or being a bitch. I see it as someone who legitimately cares about her craft and wants to do the best she can. and that's why she's so happy to be in New Japan Pro and that's why I'm so happy for her. Now, getting into the getting into the match, this thing was just absolutely fantastic. Now, now, before we go any further, you know, um, let's not let's not lose sight of the fact that it takes two to tango in this situation, and Kyrie, aka Kyrie Zane in WWE, is fucking phenomenal, and these two ladies tore this shit up this was the match that i think everybody wanted to see for 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 a debut for mercedes monet uh in n j v w this thing was exactly what you would expect in terms of quality in terms of showmanship. now there were a few there were a few noticeable um you know hiccups uh, in in the match that i that I noticed. but in terms of like excitement and um, and things like that, and considering that um Mercedes had nine months off, uh, this match was extremely good. and elio, if you if you go back and watch any match from this show, Go back and watch this one if you didn't have the opportunity yet.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna go back and watch this one.
1: Um, this was this and I'm I'm not kissing any ass here. This was just
0: I was, I was
1: because
0: I was trying gonna watch it before the the podcast. I wanted to watch at least this match, but I was looking for it. And I fast forwarded to the end because I thought it was gonna be the last match on the show.
1: Well, and, and that makes two of us. Like I said, I was quite irritated and surprised, to say the least, that it wasn't. Now, now, this is one of those matches, folks, where I can't do it justice by describing it. If I tried to go through all the high spots, um, you know, we'd be here all night long. So I'm just going to cut the shit and say that this match was absolutely fantastic in my opinion this is what this is what quality um you know women's wrestling and quality professional wrestling has the ability to look like and if this is what mercedes aka sasha whatever you want to call her is capable of then I understand why she was so frustrated in WWE under the thumb of Vince McMahon because for having nine months off and this is what she produced, holy shit. And the other thing, folks, is like if you go back, she released two videos, one quite recently and one a few weeks ago uh, um, in in, um, in anticipation of her debut in, in this match. And she was so she she was so emotional about it and so thankful. And she was talking about how you know it meant so much to her to be an NJBW specifically. And she talked about how she got good luck texts from uh you know Triple H and, and Wade of Regal that were very heartfelt. And so there are a lot of people that are pulling for this this lady. And, you know, the one thing that that was really making me cheer for her and pump my fist was, I don't know if you caught wind of this, Elio, but, you know, pri- prior to the, to this match, I was reading a lot of reports about how w- WWE management, primarily Vince, felt that Sasha was past her prime. <clears throat> Okay, Uh, okay. let let me explain something to you, folks. Sasha is younger than I am. Sasha, how old are you again? I'm thirty four. Okay, she's thirty one. Okay, Sasha is barely thirty one. I think she just turned thirty one or something. Yeah, last month. But it's just to to say that a that a thirty one-year-old woman is past her prime and yet you're shoving a 37-year-old woman down our throat hello charlotte Mm -hmm. um you know as the golden goose when nobody else can get any shine in that company whatsoever if you're in the women's division oh by the way uh, Mercedes, a.k.a. Sasha, was absolutely right when she when she says your women's division is shit and this is why I want to leave because you're having me in six-pack challenges with Dana Brooke and all this shit. Um, you know, and you wonder why she wanted to go to MJPW and have moments and matches like this. When she's in the ring with Kyrie zane and she gets to have moments to end the show. When she's in the ring with the fucking Rainmaker, she was in the ring yeah. after the main event. With that, what I show. saw, that
0: part I saw because, like I said, I fell short at the end because I thought this match was going to be the main event. But I did see when she was in the ring with Kuzushioka Okada. You
1: know, and and you want you want you want me to believe that WWE let her go because she was past her prime. Hey, Vince, stay the fuck away from my company, please. Get, you know, just re- wrestling belongs to people like Mercedes and real fans like me and Elio Canella. Yeah. Stay the fuck it's away. Put your ass down at home, like. Don't drink a ginger ale, you decrepit old bitch. Jeez. And, oh, and speaking of Vince and we're, and we're just having fun at this point, but in all seriousness, did you hear that he wants $9 billion for the sale yes. of WWE? Yeah, we reported that yesterday. I was like, good God. <laughs>
0: good. We're like, uh, I don't think we're going to be buying WWE. He wants $9 billion.
1: No, well, I think that drastically um shrinks the list the list of eligible candidates, and the other the other small detail that I really want to mention that I really tugged at my heartstrings when they mentioned this um, her, um Mercedes's gear was a tribute to Kamura, who um, oh, oh. who in twenty twenty uh committed uh suicide, suicide um thanks to online bullying yeah. um, which and um and for those of you who don't know uh suicide is a very touchy subject for me personally because I have lost someone extremely close to me uh, thanks to suicide so that uh, is that that is the, that is, the uh, that is something that is very near and dear to my heart in terms of preventing that and shining a light on that. Um, and so I, I just thought that that was a very classy move. Sorry, man, I, I just, I just, I just
0: uh, thought of something. I I was, uh, because we're doing uh, NJBW and I got the latest issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. So shoot. And look at the cover. Oh, sorry, hold on. What? Wait, oh okay. wait, and look at. Where's it, cover? Hold on.
1: Don't you hate technological difficulties, folks?
0: Right. Give me a minute. I'm Good going, lord. Going to the back. I can't believe we got to Go all the way. Okay, here we go.
1: Look at the cover. And justifiably so. Yep, there we go. She she's the she's the hottest commodity in professional wrestling right now, and she and she just proved why, um in in a match with Kyrie Zane and shout out to Kyrie Zane too. Again, let's not lose sight of that, but that was an awesome match. Now to wrap up coverage of Battle of the Valley before we move on to um what was an overall awesome Elimination Chamber. Um, let's talk about the main event between uh, the Rainmaker, Tuzushika Okada, and Hiroshi Tanahashi. Okay. Now, this was extremely good, but I, I have to admit that I was going into this match with with, um, with anger clouding my judgment of it because I wanted I wanted so badly for the women to main event this show, um, because I I felt like the coverage of the match and all of that it just warranted it. Um, so in all in all fairness to the the two involved in the main event, I understood it, but I was I was coming in here with a with a kind of a slanted viewpoint of the match. But that being said, um, once I got over that, shortly after the bell rang. Um, that they, they prove why they are exactly who New Japan um, presented them to be because these guys are absolutely fantastic and and they made note of um, of Tanahashi being um, forty six years old and I don't know how how old um, the Rainmaker is um, but. Keep going. I looked up. but for Tanahashi to be forty-six years old and to deliver that kind of match with Okada, who is at the top of so, his, so, so Okada
0: is thirty-five.
1: Yeah. So to for someone like him to be able to deliver that kind of match with a guy eleven years his junior, really speaks to the conditioning and and talent of of uh tanahashi so i know that seems like a small detail and stuff and some people might overlook 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 that like oh they're professional wrestlers they're supposed to be in good shape i don't over i don't overlook stuff like that like that stuff impresses the shit out of me because not everybody can have a career the length of a rick flair i mean that's Okay, stuff. it's kind these, of ridiculous
0: these two uh their birthday is five days apart uh, Okada is November eighth
1: and uh tanahashi is november thirteenth oh tanahashi shares a birthday with my late grandmother yeah very good um and so i was um i was very um highly impressed with this match it was a little bit um it was a little bit shorter than i would have anticipated it i uh, this one got twenty-one minutes and eight seconds. Okay. Um and you know, and the reviewer is right in, in 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 what they say about this. Like this was a good match, but it, it 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 wasn't like the best work that I've ever seen from either one of these guys. Now, granted, um I'm not I'm not nearly as familiar with um with MJPW, even as my co-host is, and I'm I'm not the authority on New Japan Pro Wrestling history, um, so I want you guys to understand that. However, um, even from the even from the um, from the limited exposure that I do have, b- both from seeing them in the ring and and online material from both these guys i do understand some some of their lengthy history and just knowing the talent of both of these gentlemen i don't think that um that this match showcased their best work
0: really do on one of these episodes i'm going to give you a lesson
1: in NJPW, like the
0: history before wrestle kingdom
1: um you know what that would be something that i would legitimately enjoy and i think that should be one of our like special bonus episodes
0: because i've been uh because i've been creating uh posters for new japan uh, and i've been learning stuff too about the like everything that came before Resident kingdom
1: oh and, and and by the way i mean i mean i i know i messaged you about it when you when you sent me all those but i didn't talk to you about it in, in person um the the all those um posters that you sent me of all the r- wrestle kingdoms that you did yeah just absolutely amazing and and it really helped me understand some of the history of, of Tanahashi in particular and njpw because he had he headlined a lot of those things like there's also the uh Toucan
0: festival um 2006, I believe, and that was headlined by Shinsuke Nakamura and Brock Lesnar.
1: Well, I, actually, you know what? I, I, I have seen. I believe, unless I'm very much mistaken, I believe I did see that match. Okay. Yeah. Because, oh. because I remember specifically um, Brock Lesnar having a run in NJPW, and I, I, I think I've seen two of those matches and i, I know one was against current angle and i think the other one was against Nakamura. so while i couldn't have named the event on which they took place um i think i did see those matches via the magical land of youtube all right cool um but i, I would be more than willing to go back to, to um, to do a special episode on the history of NJPW because that that would be a fun lesson for me because, you know, I personally, folks, I don't like having gaping holes in my wrestling knowledge. Like, and that's why we haven't done a lot of IWGP coverage because to be honest with you, that that really is the one gaping hole that exists and I'm not going to talk about something where I don't have extensive uh, knowledge on it. Now, I can review individual pay-per-views if I'm looking at them, as I did with this one in Wrestle Kingdom 17, but I'm not overly familiar with the history uh, of some of these rivalries, and that's why I'm not going into extensive detail um, if you feel like some of that is missing. So I just want to explain that to you straight up. Um, And I think we're going to go into uh, commercial um before we start talking about elimination chamber all right we're back and we're gonna get into our
0: coverage of wwe elimination chamber which came to us from the bell center in montreal Quebec, canada and ben i am like four hours away from the bell center
1: yes i uh i was uh quite ge- i was quite jealous um <laughs> because i was you know your um, your home, your country, arena, man. They brought the intensity and the passion to the elimination chamber last night. See, because I'll I'll just say this before we get into the coverage. I I freely admit to you folks that I have been jaded toward. The Illumination Chamber pay-per-view for a number of years, it's kind of lost its um shine to me, um, so to speak. Um, because it's like it just feels like they put matches into the chamber for the sake of putting matches into the chamber with no real uh you know story or build behind them. And you know, incidentally, the match with the most build this year. It was not taking place in the chamber. But having said that, like the fact that we had the chamber in Canada this year and everybody was so excited and so engaged through every match, I wish I, I wish like you wouldn't believe folding my hands to the wrestling gods that we could have crowds more often like the ones that we had. In the Bell Center for both Smackdown and Elimination chamber over the friday and um and Saturday, because those two days really um, in cap- really captured how special fans can help make moments in professional wrestling. Continue
0: yes sir and um here we go we got um you know what i don't even know if there was uh any uh, matches on the kickoff show not that i care because i didn't even watch it but just out of curiosity let's take a look while well, i pull this up on uh on my ipad and um nope we went right into the show itself so the first match of the night is the Women's Elimination Chamber. The winner goes on to face Bianca Belair at WrestleMania 39 for the Raw Women's Championship. In this match, we had Asuka, Carmella, Liv Morgan, Natalia, Nikki Cross, and Raquel Rodriguez. It's Raquel Gonzalez.
1: Yeah, you, you morons. <laughs> so, well, uh, the what, what is a, with this company's fascination of changing names? Uh, That's not right. necessary.
0: Uh, they did it to the Rock's daughter. Instead of calling her Ava Rain, they just shortened it to Ava.
1: I saw that. How ridiculous is that?
0: So, uh, <laughs> the, for me, this was a good opening match. Um, right right out, uh, Car- um, Liv Morgan and Carmella. Carmella and Natalia double teaming Liv Morgan in the corner near the pod, and Nikki Cross with their facial expressions. <laughs>
1: yeah i i love i love nikki cross and this is why i wanted nikki cross back so bad and why i'm so happy that nikki ash is dead can you imagine having nikki ash in her butterfly costume with a fucking cape in the elimination chamber (laughs) no and i don't want to but uh,
0: they made a, they made some good use of the chain link fence. Uh, Natalia trapping the Morgan's head in within the chain link. Um, uh, and Nikki Cross did the same thing at one point. Um, then the the one spot where they tried doing the Bret Hart Steve Austin spot from WrestleMania 13, where Natalia had a sharpshooter and Oscar had a uh, a submission hold on, and the uh, Morgan passes out
1: yeah that was that was a really cool spot
0: at the end uh so of course the ending came with uh, oscar getting the win via submission with the oscar lock
1: yes and 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 that's where i picked up some major points uh via our pay-per-view um points game now now we'll get into this later on but there was one major match which absolutely screwed me in the in the standings of the, of that uh situation. So but, oh go ahead. Um but um before we move on, I just want to say like this match was was really good. Both chamber matches I felt like delivered what they needed to deliver. I do think the men's was better as we'll get into. Um but um but but what what, what what took away a little bit. Now I don't know about you, but for for the women's side of things, is to me Oscar was such a clear-cut winner mm-hmm. that it was just like everybody else was just placeholders for the pods and 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 what such because out of everybody in the, in that situation, nobody nobody else made sense to go up against. Um, Bianca Belair. Unless your unless your name was Rhea Ripley. Now I now I still stand by the fact that the matches should have been as follows for the women. It should have been Oscar versus Rhea Ripley and Bianca Belair versus Charlotte Flair. Because we've already had. Um, I would have put Rhea Ripley
0: versus Bianca Belair.
1: What? What? That's what I.
0: No, you said uh, Oscar versus Rhea Ripley.
1: Oh, did I? Um. Well, no that that's what that's what I meant. I would I would I would have put um Bianca Belair um against um Rhea Ripley. Yeah, I would. Yeah, and um. You know, because it, it, 'cause we've already we've already seen Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte Flair and, and the match, quite frankly. Well
0: we saw it, no one else saw it in, in, in live because it was in the of you arena. Know. But yeah, I get what you're saying.
1: You're gonna confuse the people. Well what, what I'm saying is Rhea Ripley I, and Charlotte saying. Flair already competed at WrestleMania. I, know, so. I don't well, I'm you like, know. why like why going backwards? I don't understand. Yeah, and And to be honest with you, Rhea Ripley should have won that match the first time. Because she was coming off being so hot having just won the NXT title. So it's like, you know, you got to think here, folks. But of course, that's not Vince's strong point, which is why I'm so happy he's not in the chair anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So what would you give this uh, match? Um, I'll uh, I'll give it a three um three and a half i i take points off largely because of the um predictability um factor of it um but having said that all of the women busted their ass and and did a did a really good job making a compelling match
0: right, so pretty much 100 uh agree and they gave the three as well that brings us to the weakest match on the show Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar I hated this match
1: oh my god can we like okay I mean you know what folks here's what we're gonna do why on the air I am gonna pull up my Twitter account because I had a visceral reaction to this to this match live as it was taking place or to this ending as it was taking place. Now, my fear is that we're only going to get another uh, Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar match before WrestleMania, and nobody wants to see that again.
0: You think we're going to get one before? Or... Are they going to win a WrestleMania backlash? They're going to be in Saudi again.
1: Or, even worse... Even worse than that would be if you have a triple threat between Brock, Bobby, and Bray, mm. which I could very easily see happening, I which, I, like which I don't want to want to see. So this is exactly what I said. I said, horrible ending to this match. Yes, we knew what we, what we were getting coming in, but no one wants to see a fourth match between these guys, which this seems to set up. Then, Wait, oh, yeah. it's the
0: fourth match. They had three matches already. Yeah. Wait, where was the first one again?
1: Um the the first one. What was the first one? Shit.
0: I think it was uh-huh. was that was that on the stupid one of those stupid uh things?
1: Uh no, let me let me look. Um let me see. Uh Braquiz. On the fly, research, folks. Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley Trilogy. Bobby So So,
0: um, yeah, this match was just all around bad, beginning to end. The ending was just stupid. Like, this is uh, basically, this is the match. Spear, F5, Herlock. That's it. Then uh, Brock Lesnar, the chief shot, gets disqualified, and tax referee.
1: Yeah, and it, and it's just like, why in the hell would you would you have a low blow, you know, and then ending this situation when it was so obvious that you know throughout the entire um throughout the entire build of this thing that that Brock was like I want you know a definitive winner it just doesn't make sense
0: Okay, I, I'm looking at the ratings for this and even though one is too generous I gave it a zero this was terrible oh my god yes
1: it, it like, maybe absolutely-
0: because 50 percent gave it a one
1: and the other 50 gave it a three um well who the Fuck and I, 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 I mean this in 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 every bit of vitriol I can muster. I'm not even trying to be funny. Who the fuck would give this match a three? What half witted stupid motherfucker <laughs> would give this a three? No idea,
0: but it was, <laughs> yeah, was stupid.
1: So move on to the next one. Um Or did you have that uh I, I can't find it honestly. Don't yeah, no worry
0: about it. It's not even it's important enough to think about anyway. I don't care about Bobby Lashley versus Brock Lesnar. Yeah. So our like our third matches Edge and Beth Phoenix versus Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley. This was a fun match. It it just it felt like it was uh falling apart like around the end. Uh, but yeah. I get what they were trying to do. They were trying to be different, going with a real going after Edge and Beth Phoenix going after Finn Balor and stuff.
1: Well, um, and here's here's the thing, right? So I'm not gonna. This match was was certainly better than than the um than the women's chamber match in terms of entertainment value yeah. for me. All right, right. Just personally, like I'm, I'm a huge Edge guy. I love, I love the whole dynamic with the Judgment Day. Um, I, you know, the, the the whole thing with Edge and Beth Phoenix is it, a little cringe. Like I know, I know that they're a real life, you know, husband and wife, and I.
0: Yeah.
1: But they come, they come across as very Becky and and stuff. Like their their chemistry doesn't. Translate yeah. on sc- on screen. It's very odd. And then my um, friend, well, you know, come on,
0: we went to school together. Let's go.
1: But it, it's just like, oh my god, yeah. You know, and it's like, uh oh, Jesus, um, and um, you know, and don't get me wrong, folks. I I get it with Don. I think he's funny. You know, yeah. We we, we reacted to a. um to was skit that they did on Valentine's Day right before we came on the air for our last show. Um, you know, Elio and I were laughing our asses off before we hit record. Um, but sometimes the comedy gets to be a little much. Um, but I really... At its core, I like the dynamic between Edge and Judgment Day, and it, it just works. Where the match itself... um kind of got lost for me was t- toward the ver- toward the very end where they had the botched uh three count did you did you happen to catch that
0: uh what part was that because i i i i know uh there was that one part where they both had their submission holds locked in on uh finn and Rhea.
1: So so again, let me um let me pull up Twitter so I, I can I can get that um that spot for you um correct um for when I uh uh for for how that spot went down. Hold on one second for me.
0: Right on the slide research. And we will insert the trip theme here.
1: Uh well I, I think we I think we should. Um definitely. So um yes, it says it was right after the the brass knuckle spot where where um dom tossed the brass knuckles to Rhea. Oh right, okay, I remember that. And so so um Beth was trying to uh, Beth was trying to come in to break up the three count. Yep. That um Valor was was threatening to complete on edge. And the the hand the hand of the ref was coming down for three and it was extremely obvious that, that his hand would have hit, have hit the three, but he purposely held it up for like a full second before she got there and it, it just it looked bad because it was it was very obvious okay um and i i do hope the feud is over i I want i want this feud to be done
0: well i mean they still have to do uh ray massoon Dominic, so i hope i'm sure that we're gonna go back to that uh, for mania
1: that's well, no, no, I'm not. Talk, I'm not talking about. Ray, I'm not talking about Ray and Dom. I want that. I want. No, no, edit. no. I get what you're saying. I'm. I'm saying. I.
0: I. I think they're gonna go back to Ray and Dominic because I think I'm sure they want that one for Mania.
1: Yeah. Well, Ray. No. No. I. I want Ray and Dom for Mania too. That. That's gonna be awesome. What i What I'm saying is, I want the Edge and Beth Phoenix and Judgment Day to be done.
0: That's why I said I like. I'm I'm sure this one is done. They can go back to focusing on uh, that one.
1: Oh, okay. I, I I'm sorry. I misunderstood you. I didn't hear that part. Um, but um, but I mean, this match was 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 fun. Was it? Was it? Um, was it a four star classic? Did um, did uh, Beth look particularly great? No, I don't think so. Um, what? you know I be honest with you folks and this is just i'm not trying to be an asshole i'm but i'm always going to be honest with you i never really got the appeal with beth phoenix like and i i know the importance of being a wrestler to her i i i've i've seen the special i i understand how hard she worked and whatever um I don't mean whatever, but I I understand the the backstory and the human aspect of it, but I just I never really got the what was so special about Beth Phoenix. Okay, and and quite frankly, I don't understand why she's in the Hall of Fame. Uh-huh. I, and and I'm I'm not sure, uh, other than being a neutralizer for Rhea Ripley. She's not adding much to this feud for me. Okay, so I I, I do hope that that part is done. And w- once again, I'm I'm not trying to be an asshole. I'm just I'm I'm just talking about what I see on the screen. This is this is nothing against Beth the person.
0: So, so what do you give this one?
1: I, I would give I would give it a three. Yep. Okay. That's a hundred percent.
0: You gave it a three. Next, we have the men's elimination team for. you to f- Elimination Chamber match for the United States Championship. Austin Theory, Bronson Reed, Damian Priest, Johnny Gargano, Montez Ford, and Seth Rollins.
1: All right, folks, let me tell you, I was so pissed off because I you can go you can go back to the prediction show and I have to eat pro and learn to like the taste of it at this point because I had I had picked Bronson Reed to win this match. I, I did, and 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 what happened? He was the first person eliminated, and my chances of winning the the the, the pay per view points game for the Elimination Chamber went down the toilet. Thank you, Bronson. You absolutely just shit the bed for me.
0: Um, I can't believe Austin did like Bronson Reed up on his shoulders like the way he did.
1: Oh, well, and days. but but see. And and some people may be impressed with that, and and as a pure feat of strength, of course, I'm impressed with that too. But to me, doing stuff like that to Bronson at this point doesn't do him any favors. Because let me let me, let me ask you a rhetorical question, Elio, and because I already I already know the answer, but just to just to get people thinking about this, All right. How has Bronson Reed been been um presented upon his return to the company?
0: I don't know, I was saying the same thing. Like I don't I don't get it because uh they he ha- they have pretty much uh, no program.
1: They put him with the miss and that didn't last. Well yeah, but, but what I'm what I'm saying is and I I didn't like that I didn't like that pairing either. That to me, that was a that was a step down for for the Miz and people were like, "Oh, the Miz is gonna give him the rub." Fuck the fuck the Miz. I don't I don't give a shit. But 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 anywho, because because Bronson and the Miz were two completely different monsters. Okay. Yep. You know, and no disrespect to the Miz and what he's accomplished. We've got, we've gone over that. But the, they're two different entities, and, and Bronson does not need the Miz in any capacity. But my point being, that since his return, Bronson has consistently been booked in squash matches. He is just destroying people. And and the, ol- the only counter that people are going to have to my argument is that it took Four people to eliminate him in the chamber, well, that might be true, but to me, the fact that he got eliminated first makes that almost um, you know insignificant because you know you spent months building him up as this monster and he gets eliminated first in his first major match back on the roster. What does that what does that do and what does that say about Bronson Reed? No, no, do I think he's buried? Absolutely not. Fuck no. If if anyone says says Bronson is screwed or Bronson is, you know, back down to developmental or whatever, then I think you need to have your eyes checked. That's not what I'm saying. But it's just Considering where this guy came from, off the uh you know, after he got released from WWE and how he was presented on the indies and how they presented him, you know, since his return, it it just doesn't make sense to me. Now, now I was the guy that was saying, why are we seeing Bronson in squash matches? We should we should be seeing him in legitimate matches and really showcase the fact that in an actual fight this guy is a fucking mower because if you watch if if you saw him in NXT when he's in when he's in a match that is not a squash this guy is can do things that a man his size should not be able to do Okay. I mean, you know, so it's just like his entire presentation. What they did to him in in, in this um, elimination chamber match is counterproductive to his entire presentation. I I don't I don't get it. But
0: moving on, and a couple of uh, high points: uh, freaking Montez Ford scaling the chamber and from the end from the top of the chamber
1: diving onto everyone that that dude is a star in the making you mark my words
0: and then uh, that uh, that uh curb stomp that he took
1: wow yeah. now now i'll now i'll tell you what when they when they open the door I I didn't I didn't know Logan Paul was coming in, but I knew some chicanery was coming in, and I and I didn't buy for one single second that Montez was legitimately hurt, even though he did a good job selling it, and all and everybody involved. Yeah, did a good, he did good, good job selling it, but it's just you know, and, and I you know, if you guys have have listened to this show since Logan Paul came onto the scene. You know, LEO can back me up on this. We have both given Logan Paul the credit we feel that he deserves. Like he's delivered, okay? But but somebody needs to explain to me why, why we're doing this um, Seth Rollins Logan Paul thing. Yes, I get it. You know, Logan eliminated him at the Royal Rumble. Is that the entire reason we're having this match, and why he fucked up the entire Elimination Chamber? Apparently. To, to me, that's weak. To yeah. me, that's what. To me, to me, that is weak storytelling for a talent the caliber of a Seth Rollins.
0: Okay, what do you what do you Do you have anything else, or what do you have for for rating on this one? Um,
1: I'll I'll give this a four
0: okay uh the um so let's see 33 gave it a three and 67
1: gave it a five. Oh, entirely too generous but um but this was this was one of the better elimination chamber matches in many years yeah. so
0: and that brings us to the main event the WWE Universal Championship match Roman Reigns versus Sami Zayn end this match, beginning to end this is called storytelling
1: yes, and from that perspective I loved it, I have loved every single aspect of um, you know, the bloodline storyline, long term storytelling, this is something that I have been absolutely begging for this is for- chapter 2 I Absolutely. You, you could argue that this is chapter five. I mean, <laughs> I, uh, I mean, this, this, I mean, this is this is a compelling novel, compelling movie that I think anybody would want to see. I mean, this is this is cinematic and in it, in it, in it's in its mastery of, of storytelling, mm-hmm. honestly. Um, and I, I think. Um, and i I think that this is the strength of professional wrestling um being put on front and center when it's done correctly did you see did you see the comments when it's actually going on? People
0: are saying that this is boring
1: well well i I don't know what I don't know what the fuck they were watching because. And now I do have I do have some concerns, but let us let's, let's worry about the positives and let's give these two their their flowers because this storyline has been the best thing about WWE for its entire duration. Um and and I don't see any credible arguments to, to the contrary, to tell you the truth. Um now, this match was exactly what I expected it to be based on all of the arguments that I've made leading up to it um, revolving around, you know, should it be Sami Zayn or Cody Rhodes that takes it from Roman Reigns? And there are credible arguments on both sides that completely make sense to me. And, and yes, I, I see the time and I'll get it done before we um, go off the air. Um, but, um, but here's here's the thing, folks. Sometimes you have to take things for what they are and just appreciate it when you're witnessing something special. And that's what I think this is. And me personally and 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 I think I can speak for you based on our conversations, both on and off the air. Um I don't think either one of us legitimately expected Sami Zayn to win this thing. Um because as I've said on a prior show, of all of Sami Zayn's or I'm sorry, of all of Roman Reigns opponents, Sami Zayn is perhaps the most um unbelievable one to take the title off of him. Mm-hmm. Um and for a lot of reasons, um, you know, I think it I think it should be Cody, um, you know, based on the storytelling since he got hurt in the chamber, uh, and the the amount of focus that they put on him and you know and even if you disagree with how he was booked in the in the rumble, which I do disagree with, I don't think he should have been anywhere near number thirty. I think he should have had to fight a lot harder um, because he only had to fight through six people to make it to to WrestleMania main event. Um, I would have put him in at like number thirteen, uh, number twelve, something like that to make it more of a journey to to get there. That's what I would have liked to have seen. Maybe even top ten um, to go in the Rumble first, um, but. Um, but overall, the, the the reason why I want to, to see Cody versus Roman was because you could say, you know, this is this is the prince of professional wrestling taking on the king, and it's family versus family, royalty of professional wrestling going against each other to, to it, it's it's old kingdom versus new kingdom. And that in and of itself is classic storytelling. And Cody Rhodes has more um credibility to take the title from Roman than Sami Zayn does, based on the story being told. Even if even if the story between Sami Zayn and Roman Reigns has much more legs to it, which it does, that part is undisputable. The story between Sami Zayn and Roman reigns is so much more compelling than Cody Rosen and and uh Roman, which I don't there's no amount of promos between Paul Heyman and and Cody that can fix that. so from that perspective, I can completely understand and sympathize with the argument that it should have been Sami Zayn um. The but um, what's your what's your opinion of like why it should be Cody or why it should have been Sammy uh, going into WrestleMania against uh against uh, Roman? I think that uh, Cody is more
0: believable. The uh, Sammy Zane is uh, this story for Sammy Zane is uh, a lot like uh, the Daniel Bryan story from twenty
1: fourteen. Yeah, well and. and that's what I draw comparisons to and um but a lot of people would argue that's why it should main event uh Wrestlemania um but um
0: they, they could give him the title but then what do you do you are not gonna have Miz like as like a long-term champion right then you don't want to just like uh have a win t- only to drop it again
1: yeah and and that's what that's what I would be concerned about And the other aspect of it that people aren't thinking about, at least in my opinion, is even Sami Zayn in his interview with Ariel Helwani recently, which I mentioned on a recent episode, even he mentioned, like, he's a guy that could carry it for six months, but he's not as believable as somebody as Roman Reigns or Cody. Mm -hmm. Like, he said it himself. Um,
0: Yeah, I saw that too.
1: So I think that's the reason why um, the decision was made to go with Cody and also also the story that they're telling with, with Cody's dad and the history with Paul Heyman and them trying to make Cody the prince, which in and of itself is a compelling story. Um, now, I do get concerned because we've had very little interaction, if any, between Roman Reigns and Cody. With uh with six weeks to go, um, but you know if if they were gonna pull the trigger with Sammy winning the title last night would have been the night to do it, um you know and and at certain points I thought they were gonna do it, um you know that that was awesome, um but I think I almost think it would it would be more compelling for everything to come full circle again for Sammy and have like his real family in Kevin Owens help help him dethrone his fake family in in the bloodline. And I think that's where I think that's where the the story was always going to go. Alright, so uh, final reading. Um so in terms of in terms of storytelling uh, it was a um it was five in, in terms of a wrestling match i would give it a four
0: okay uh 67 percent give it a five
1: well i can understand that
0: but overall i give this whole show a B plus
1: i i would too i would i would very comfortably give it an eight out of ten
0: and now uh, we're going go to commercial and we'll be back with all the fun stuff okay all right, Ben, now that we have the two big shows out of the way, our sounds of the fun stuff, and I have something for you here. I have a mini NWO trivia for you. Okay, shoot. Question number one. The NWO debut at what WCW event? Bash at the Beach, Starcade, Sin, or Halloween Havoc?
1: Really? <laughs> Bash at the Beach.
0: All right, I know, I know this. I just... Uh, no. This is this is the first question. I don't know. All right, who was the leader of the nw Wolfpack? Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, Six, or Buff Bagwell?
1: Um, it was Kevin Nash.
0: Kevin Nash. Which member of NW will never wrestled in WCW? Booker T, X Pac, Shawn Michaels, or The Big Show?
1: Shawn Michaels.
0: And the last question, which celebrity, which celebrity was a member of the N.W.O.? Carl Malone, Mike Tyson, Dennis Rodman, or Flo Ryder?
1: Um, it was uh, Dennis Rodman.
0: Dennis Rodman, and there you go. That's your trivia. Now, I found this before we went on there. I found this list that I thought was pretty cool. This is a top ten list of ten of ten wrestlers whose ring names are tributes to other wrestlers. Are you ready for this? Yes. I'm going to go bottom, no, I'm going to go talk to bottom because I don't, I don't I really want to scroll all the way down or just to scroll back up. Okay. So at number one, oh no, sorry, it does start at number 10. All right. At number 10, we have Dash Wilder. So his is attributed to Dashing Cody Rhodes.
1: Oh, okay. I would not have guessed that.
0: Right. Dusty Rhodes chose the name Dash as a tribute to his son, Cody Rhodes, who was dashing Cody Rhodes. Dash and Cody Rhodes would eventually work together when FDR signed with AEW. Very cool. At number nine, we have Simon Gotch, and his name is a tribute to Carl Gotch and Frank Gotch. So Simon Gotch chose his last name as, as a tribute to the legendary grappler Frank Gotch. Simon isn't the only one to take the Gotch name as a tribute to Frank. As legendary wrestler. Carl Gotch also took the last name. Very good. At number eight, we have Damian Sandow. And his name is a tribute to one of professional wrestling's greatest pioneers, Billy Sandow. Sandow was part of a group known as the Gold Dust Trio, which included Ed Lewis and Toots Mont. Mont would eventually pair up with boxing promoter Chess McMahon to form the Capital Wrestling Corporation, which was the predecessor to the World Wide Wrestling Federation, the WWF, and eventually the World Wrestling Entertainment. At number seven, we have Kane, and his tribute. Was, his name was a tribute to the Undertaker.
1: Yeah, because that, that that was actually. The Undertaker's first name was Kane. The Undertaker—that's <laughs> so weird. Like that's just weird to see today. Kane
0: the Undertaker. Of course, at number six is no surprise: Ronda Rousey's tribute to Roddy Piper. Yep. At number five, we have Goldust, and his name is a. Reference to the legendary Gold dust trio that I just spoke about earlier a few minutes ago. Cool. And number four we have Rocky Maivia. We already know the story behind his name. Yes. And number three, we have Santino Morella. And his name is Tribute to Gorilla Monsoon. How so? Whose uh, real name was Robert Morella. And, oh, okay uh, and uh, number two we have kevin owens and his name is tribute to owen hart
1: yeah and his and his son
0: yep and at uh, number one we have curtis axel of course The uh, tribute to kurt hennig and larry the axe
1: absolutely Very so cool.
0: so there's a top 10 now I'm going to we're going to go into a, a quick commercial because I'm going to add the names of the next tournament to the wheel and then we're going to make matches right here on the air. Very cool. i right, Ben, so we have the tournament lined up. We have all the names lined up for the next tournament, the best wrestling faction entrance. Are you ready for this? Yes, sir. Right here on the air. We're going to make the matches. So we have all 10 names on the wheel. I'm showing my co the wheel there. Very cool. All right. We're going to spin the first one. And who do we have? Eminem. Oh, boy.
1: Well, hopefully they get destroyed.
0: Who are they going to face? Let's take a look. First are we gonna Okay, there there they come off the wheel. So who will face Eminem in round one? Let's see. Oh okay, sure. Eminem versus D Generation X. Well, bye-bye, Eminem. That should be an interesting match. So let's see. D generation X. All right. So DX is off the list. So we have, yeah, we have eight, na- eight uh, names left on this list. So here we go. Next match. The New Day, who will they face? All right, so the New Day will face who? Oh, the New Day versus the Brood. Well, I got to go for the Brood on this one. All right. So we're going to take these two names off the list. So a new day and the brood are out. All right, next up we have the Wyatt family versus the Ministry of Darkness.
1: Oh. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 oh. oh my god. Oh, shit. Oh, happy,
0: happy, happy. <laughs> the life of... Ben, are you happy? <laughs> yes, I am. White family versus the Ministry of Darkness. Okay, so we're going to take the Ministry of Darkness off the list. All right, who is up next? all right so white family and mystery darkness are gone so we have four more names on this list we have the bloodline the shield and the and nation domination oh boy so here we go the next match has the bloodline okay and the bloodline will face off against who will they face off against the shield how fucking poetic we
1: didn't even plan that folks
0: (laughs) no we did not (laughs) the bloodline versus the shield come on Hell yes All right, so we're gonna take the shield off and then your final match on the in this tournament will be the nation of domination versus the NWO. Very cool.
1: <laughs> very good. All right so, the, so like, the- I was always a nation of domination guy. So, I was always a Ron Simmons guy.
0: Yeah, they were pretty, cool. I love when they had the rock, uh, when they should turn on uh, Farouk, the rock yeah. gave that, gave his eyebrows.
1: Exactly, that was awesome.
0: All right, so now that we've done that, I have a list I found here from lana banana she uh came up with another entrance theme list
1: yes yeah, she made a very quick turnaround return appearance
0: uh hopefully i can find it here let me give me a second fan's back shortly All right ben so i have the list here this is six themes this time okay okay and before i play this before i play this she wrote at the bottom. This is for you fans. This is all in good fun, so please don't lose your shit this time. (laughs) I like her. All right, you ready? Here we go. the six themes
1: absolutely here we go that's a very good list
0: and number six mark henry okay and number five kane
1: Mm, i don't know and number four randy orton i would put i would put randy orton at six especially considering it's the burn in my light theme
0: okay and number three bobby Roode. okay and number two christian
1: ah uh, i would have put that at five and then number one edge okay she redeemed herself there okay
0: so there we go that's the list of that i wanted to look for you that i apparently i i accidentally deleted so but uh we got it back so ben give me a second i'm gonna pull up the playlist for wrestling roulette before we close out the show okay cool all right, I'm pulling up the list. I'm just gonna set it up. All right, Ben, you ready for wrestling roulette?
1: Absolutely, let's go. The
0: way this works, I play 21 themes. Ben has to guess which wrestler that theme belongs to. I only play 10 seconds of the song, so here we go with your first one. Are you ready? Yes, sir. Wait, let me just uh, clear the telly so I can. Alright, here we go. A kind of oh, A oh, A
1: oh, yep. Jonathan Coachman. Jonathan
0: Coachman. <laughs> I really don't understand how he gets his own theme. Then again, I don't understand really how Michael Cole got his own theme.
1: Well, well, I can I can understand Jonathan Coachman more than Michael Cole because yeah. no, I'm saying it's right, why Jonathan Coachman was a, a authority figure. Yeah. Un, yeah. Under Vince. But then more Ronaldo had his own theme as well. Well, yeah, but Mario Ornelllo was, was special. Like he deserved his own theme.
0: Yeah. All right. Here we go. Number two.
1: Jesse and Festus I'm sorry Gallows I know we have mutual friends But god damn that gimmick sucked (laughs) That's Clay's favorite theme (laughs) Okay here we go
0: That is Balls Mahoney. Okay. All right. Here we go. Number four.
1: Um, just a shot in the dark. DJ Z. Who? DJ Z. No. Okay,
0: that's Layla.
1: Oh, that was terrible.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Number five.
1: Seamus.
0: Sheamus. Yes. All right, you're on. You're on board with three three right Yep. yeah all right here we go number six
1: uh pass i have no idea
0: that is aki bono perhaps the one of the most embarrassing matches in wrestlemania history against the big show That super match
1: Okay, well, I'm I'm glad I got that wrong, man. I'm really happy. Should should we should we um, subtract that from my lost record just out of protest from that match? I mean, we don't have to. It's up to you. But I'm just just a just a fun suggestion.
0: Because you the- subtract it you from your loss, you didn't lose or gain anything because you didn't get it. Well, well i well I know but still you want me to go you want me to knock you down to back down the two
1: uh yeah go ahead okay <laughs> just, just you know because that's terrible Okay. <laughs> I, mean, I mean you you didn't
0: lose or win any
1: point uh, in- I, I, we'll, we'll keep it but but still that was terrible all right. Here we go. Here's uh track number
0: seven. You only have, you only have two. Here we go. Kevin Nash. Diesel. Kevin Nash. Yes. Okay. Here we go. Track number eight.
1: That was the um that sounds like the old ECW theme. Um, hmm. um Jesus, I I don't know. Uh Tommy Dreamer. Nope.
0: That is Bobby Lashley. Oh shit. Okay. All right, Hugo track number.
1: sounds familiar but i can't place it past. all right that
0: is luther reigns
1: oh jesus
0: he was terrible i know (laughs) all right Mm -hmm.
1: track 10 A-Train. A-Train.
0: Yes. All right. Track 11. Here
1: we go. The Godwins? No.
0: That is Jimmy Wang Yang.
1: Fuck. That's terrible. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I should have stayed with the the young dragons. Alright, here we go. An aging cowboy. (laughs) Great God. Alright, here we go. Track 12. I haven't a single clue that is ivy nile well i i don't watch it next season, so that makes sense
0: i watch for Free strattons
1: okay yeah <laughs> well i would do <laughs> all right try <laughs> <laughs> Okay.
0: Uh I have not a clue. That is the Dungeon of Doom, W C W
1: oh dear lord
0: <laughs> well, let me just say kevin someone is such a weird guy to talk to i was supposed to i t- i think i told you this story. i was supposed to help him set up his zoom account he calls me he's like uh, i think i figured it out i don't really need your help then <laughs> why was i told to help you and run give you a run through of how zoom works oh okay <laughs> all right here we go track 14.
1: Psycho Sid.
0: Psycho Sid, yes. All right, here we go, track number 15.
1: I haven't clue. That is Billy Kidman's. Wow, his other theme is so much better.
0: Yes. Alright, track number sixteen. Here we go.
1: Um
0: pass. Um is Logan Paul.
1: Okay, I'm happy I <laughs> got that wrong. Holy I'm not, like, good lord! I'm I'm, I'm yeah. taking, dude! I'm taking L's, but seriously, some of these L's I've never been so happy in the history of this game.
0: There <laughs> <laughs> oh, we go. The fuck. <laughs>
1: That is the Mountie. Oh Jesus. John Moxley would be so upset. <laughs> oh, John Moxley, aka Dean Ambrose. Remember that uh, remember that uh promo he cut where he had um Daniel Bryan bust in the gut. We the same one. I said that was the Mountie. Yeah, I know. He, he impersonated, I was afraid, oh, I think I, oh, I think I remember Dean Ambrose impersonated the mountain. Yeah, I remember, yeah,
0: I remember, yeah, yeah. All right, here we go, track, the uh, 19, no, yeah, 19. Okay. Liv Morgan. Live you finally got this one. You you never get this. <laughs> Alright, here we go. Track twenty. I
1: have voices in my head, they count for me, they understand, they talk me. Uh Randy Orton. Randy Orton.
0: And here's the last one. Are you ready?
1: Yes, sir. Jesus Christ, some of these are from left field. I I don't know bro. I,
0: that is the rap version of the New Age of Oz theme. I don't think I've ever heard that. That's off of their WBF Aggression CD. Jesus. Alright, so you got a total of five, but you were happy with some of the ones that you didn't get.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that was a struggle, but you know, that. to be honest with you, um I'm not that upset about that one like usually I would be very upset but like I'm not you know
0: yeah all right so Ben we're <laughs> the show to a close before we get uh kicked off by the producer absolutely all right fans that is it uh we'll do the plugs next Saturday night so we so, for this episode of the PC Precursion Wrestling Podcast, I'm Elio, he's Ben. We will talk to y'all next week. Ben, say goodnight to the fans.
1: Well, good night, fans. Thanks for joining us. And, uh, Elio, I have a request before we get off the air. Yes, sir. Now, obviously, if you need me, I'm here, but I would really prefer not to do a show until Saturday because. Uh, I need a week off. We've been doing too many shows. Oh, you have a week off. Well, we're coming back on Saturday.
0: To...
1: <laughs> I love you, man. But I need my voice <laughs> box needs a break. Holy shit! Right? But in the, in the meantime, folks, this this is the last uh, extended break in the WrestleMania season. So be prepared, because the PNC Progression Wrestling Podcast has you covered every step of the way. And we hope you're enjoying every bit of it, because we are too. We'll see you next time.